the time has finally come here we are y'all it's crazy i announced no holding back the podcast back in march but the way you know time and work was set up oh you know time just kind of slipped away from me i had taken on a project as some of y'all might know i got to work on essence and the level and caliber of work that had to go into that there was just no way that i was gonna be pumping out podcast episodes and posting and on social like that during this time so you know here we are it's july and we are launching no holding back the podcast I am so overjoyed to be here, to be chatting with y'all, and just to give you all a labor of my love. I really wanted to create a safe space for creators to talk about their experiences and their rise to where they are or their downfalls and just allow them to be an inspiration to somebody else out there. Because I recall going through, you know, the beginning stages of my career, and I'm still very much in those stages, and I'm learning things every day. Um, I really just, you know, I look to the people around me for guidance. And so I wanted to pour that into a podcast to give that to someone out there that just needs a little bit of guidance on their path and keep them on the straight and narrow. So with that being said, our first guest is Miss Shells Yvette also known as Bombshell because of her small stature but yet big explosive personality. Originating from Los Angeles, California, Shells is no stranger to the entertainment industry with over 10 plus years as a radio and media personality, interviewing your favorite celebrities from Oprah Winfrey to Halle Berry and beyond, covering all major shows, working with E! News, the Oprah Winfrey Network, the Jasmine Ram, Black Hollywood Live, Y'all get the point. Miss Shells is a pretty big deal, okay? And not to mention, you've probably seen her tweets run across your TL from Baller Alert all the way to Neighborhood Talk and beyond um, because she goes viral literally every week and half the stuff be on accident. I'm pretty sure her phone be jumping and she be stressed out, okay? But anyway, to get on with the with our interview, I'm so excited for y'all to hear this and hear Shells' story and her perspective on what it means for her to be a creative in this industry and, you know, putting a battery in her back and having longevity. So with that being said, here is No Holding Back, the podcast. Yeah, so um, Shells, I just want to I just want to say thank you so much for coming and getting me to do this. Honestly, truly, just to be candid with you, this idea was concepted last year in the summer. And I have been sitting on this, it'll be like eight months, eight months of me sitting on an idea. Yes. Can't sit. You can't sit. And that's my biggest problem as a creative. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, but you are the reason why you are the reason why I'm taking the first step and actually doing this. Put up my graphic. I wasn't even going to post a graphic. You put it on my mind to, where's the graphic? Because I want to post and did it. I'm like, damn, she's like, I was my boyfriend. Like, she wants a graphic to post? Yes. Didn't even get that far. Didn't even get that, that far. how marketing works. You have to market what you're doing. It's so important. It's so important. And you would think the girl who works in marketing would know that. Yes. But- <laughs> 
But you know how it goes when you have like an idea and a concept, you love it so much and you want to hold on to it and you don't want anybody to judge it and you want to make sure it's perfect. Um, so that's that kind of just... Even if it was perfect in your mind, somebody's still going to judge it. We can't control if people judge our content. One thing we can control is putting the content out. So let's say 10 people judge it and two people love it. Yeah. Those two people were who the content was for. So that's why I always preach to put the content out, put the content out because... Like I, I just made a video on TikTok. I was saying like the intentionality behind our content, our content is connected to somebody purposefully. So if you hoard it, then you're actually essentially, you're holding that person back from what they should see. You know what I mean? So we're all connected somehow. So if God placed an idea in your heart for you to do something, for you to post something, do it because it's connected to somebody we don't even know. Period. Period. And see, this is why I thank you for coming on No Holding Back, the podcast and being the first guest. Um, to set the tone and the standard for what this podcast is going to be. It is a freedom space for creatives. It's a safe space for creatives. And I'm just so overjoyed and happy to have you. Um, but say, I'm so proud of you for even starting this. Like, <laughs> I'm going to let you get into the podcast because I'm such a chatty Kathy because I was going to get into how we met. But go ahead. I'm going to let you. This is your, this is your <laughs> And that's the host and background coming out in you. You trying to moderate and take over the conversation. Not today, like, mama. Not today. I got okay, you. Okay. I'm going to talk about that too. Okay. So, um, you know, first things first, for anyone that is not familiar with your fa the fabulous assets um, that you carry, the mind that you have, and the creativity that, you, um, that you're able to own every day on social, would you mind going ahead and just letting them know who you are, where you're from, and what it is that you do? You know what? Um, those questions used to always jam me up because it's like who I am. It, it took me some time to figure those things out because I was so connected for a long time to who I was. Mm. So now that I just turned 35 last week, I feel that I can like really own who I am because I have such a better understanding now. So who I am, I'm a creative, obviously, but I think as a person, I feel that who I am at the core is of, of service to people. So I'm a service lender. You know what I mean? I am an encourager. I'm a person who is lending inspiration to people online. That's who I am as a person. And what I do is, oh my God, I do. <laughs> list the things, girl, list the things. Let us know and you are. I, do, um, I am now newly entrepreneur. That's new Yay. for me. I, thank you. That's new for me. I wasn't even trying to be no entrepreneur. I was like, God, no, that ain't me. Uh -uh -uh -uh. <laughs> I'm entrepreneur. I'm also a content creator, content producer, and I'm also a comedian and a host. Yes. And so I want to start your story off uh, with how I first met you, which was as a host. And I think around the time that I met you or the conversation we had, you started off in radio. Am mm -hmm. I accurate? Yes. Yeah. So I want to know, you know, what did that part of your life look like? How did you get your start in radio? And at what moment were you like, oh, I'm doing this full throttle? So as a child, I was always invested in the story. I was always reading biographies. And I just really connected to radio because I really wanted a platform where I could just talk to people and find out the story. So in college, I had a college radio show called Mixtape Mondays, where I interviewed a lot of independent artists. Uh, I had Kendrick Lamar on there, OC Genesis, um, Scheme was on there. Um, man, these are people that were like coming up. They yeah. weren't even big time yet. 
And I just wanted to know their story, like how they got started, the inspiration behind their music, because I'm a big music fan, but I'm also a fan of people and artistry. So it was so interesting to me to know the story. And I was like, well, how could I talk to these people? I'm like, I have no way of, you know, ever, you know, just going around, especially in 2010, honey, it was no TikTok. None of that. It was just Facebook. So yeah, traveled really fast about my show. Actually, I was just uploading uploading a lot of content on Facebook at the time. And the reason that it went full throttle is because it was all like grassroots stuff, like word of mouth. Like there wasn't a lot of platforms. It was just me, Homegrown Radio, and a lady, a girl named Jay Michelle. She had Up Next Is. So it was Mixtape Mondays, Homegrown and Up Next Is. And it was just us three giving wow. the, the platform at the time. So it was really cool. And I think for me, I decided to go full throttle is when like I would pitch the show to people and they would just be like, yeah, I already heard of it. Like, yeah, I wanted to come by. And I was like, yo, that's dope. Oh. Like, I, that really got me excited about that. And then at that time, I started interning at Kiss FM, which is now part of iHeart. But then I, I don't know if it was iHeart then. But yeah, so I was interning in radio and I had my own you know, actual like, you know, radio show, whatever podcast yeah. I guess I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah I feel like that's how all the journalism girlies in LA start out it's like a college talk show because um you know every time you hear somebody's story that's a host like I started on my college radio station yep. and, and I feel like that's the pipeline for LA like yep. and what the girlies do in red carpets and interviews but what was what made your show that thing where artists feel like they had to go talk to shows. They had to sit down and get interviewed by her. Yeah, I think because I just made it so fun. You know, mm -hmm. I think that, uh, of course, my personality, very jovial. And I think mm -hmm. my interviewing style, I didn't really, it wasn't so much like question answer. You know, it was like, I would always add some sort of comedic level to it. I had the ability to make people feel comfortable. So mm. when they came to the actual show, Mixtape Mondays, like they already knew they were going to have a good time. It wasn't just going to be like, so tell me about the album. Like I was going to go in depth. I did my research. I was going to make it fun. I was going to play their music. So it was really just essentially a good time. Yes. And so in all of that, where did you find um, your gift? Like this is what you were gifted with to make people feel a certain type of way in conversation. And you were able to, you know, amass the people who are big time today, like Kendrick Lamar, o you know, OT Genesis, all these people. So when did you realize that this was a gift that you had to go ahead and put into action further than being in college and on campus? I think the people affirmed me. And I'm not saying there's a difference between validation and affirming. Affirming mm -hmm. is something you already know to be true about yourself. Validation is towards the ego, right? So my ego wasn't being stroked. People were constantly affirming me after the show. Like we would have conversations and they would just be like, hey, you're really good at this shit. Or like, oh, you don't really have a voice for radio. Or you made me feel very comfortable interviewing or I liked your questions. Like I've never been asked these questions before. So for me, it was the affirming that lets me know that like I was on the right track. And then on top of that, when you have a gift or you have a passion or a dream or a goal, I feel like when you are in aligned with God and that's really what he wants you to do, I feel like the route is a little seamless. So when I was on this route, it wasn't like all these bumps ahead. It wasn't like all these closed doors, which are a totally different story. But mm -hmm. during this time, it just flowed and I felt very aligned in the way that it made me feel. 
Like I knew it was for me because it just lit something up inside of me and it made me excited. I was excited to go do it every day. It wasn't one of those like, oh my God, I got to do this radio show. I want to talk to these people. It was like, yes, like I'm excited. I would pull up to the college campus like an hour early, prep my show, ask the questions. I'll be in the car listening to their CD so I can know what to ask them. So yeah, it was just an exciting time. Yeah. And you, you mentioned God, right? Yes. Did you know I'm that? Always mentioned God. Absolutely. And we <laughs> love it. Did you always know that it was God guiding you through that? Or was that a realization you had to come to much older, you know, like, and when you look back on your life, you're like, damn, that really was God guiding me. Not me using yeah, no, I've always felt like it was a God thing because yeah. I've never wanted to do anything else. Aside from like, I always wanted to be entertainment and I always wanted to tell stories, at least that, like, I've never wanted to be, you know, anything outside of like that realm of like hosting, speaking, interviewing, entertainment on camera, on screen, like since a child, that's always been my dream. Like when I was a little girl, like maybe under the age of like eight, I would line up like my stuffed animals and I would have like a little talk show. Like I would have a little faux talk show with them. I would watch the talk shows with my mom. So I just, it just was something immediately from when my brain could actually process it that I knew that I wanted to do. Don't know how, that's why I said our gifts are not from us, they're from God, because I'm a child. So, you know, I'm developing. How do I know I want to be what that is without full, you know, understanding what that is? That's nothing but God placing that gift already in me. And I was just such a talkative kid. I was just- <laughs> you, know, so you should talk too much on your report card. Absolutely. Great girl, talk too much, have to move her today. So yeah. For sure. Yes. Now, um, I'm curious to know, you you interviewed a lot of up and coming rappers during that time that, you know, they weren't who they are now, like at that time when you got them. Um, was there was there a pivotal interview that kind of like took your career a little bit further than just being in college? Was there a moment that was like, oh, this interview is like the interview that is going to set me off and put me in the opposite direction of what I thought I was going to be in, you know, like along this journey in radio and talk. Yeah. So while I was interning at Kiss FM, I had an opportunity to go to a charity event mm -hmm. and I got to interview like outside of upcoming artists, celebrities and Kiki Palmer was the first person I ever interviewed. And I was like 20... It was my 22nd birthday. Yeah, my 22nd birthday on my actual birthday. And I interviewed her, Nick Cannon, Paul Wall, um, oh, Roddy Jerkins. I have all these pictures too. And when I was in that room, I was like, yo, like <laughs> I'm in this room. You know what I mean? Like I, it's just something that just ignited me. Like I had no real like actual experience like that, so to speak, outside of the mixtape show. So to be in that room and to just be able to turn it on and know how to interview and know what to say, like I didn't have no real proper training. Like they teach you things in college, but they don't teach you like press rooms and how yeah. to conduct an interview and what to say. It's just something naturally that happens. So in that moment, I was like, this is it. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like I just flourished. I was so comfortable. I was so excited. And I had never been around celebrities in a close proximity like that, you know? And then for me to just walk in and it was just like inside, you like, oh shit, I'm here. But everybody else was like, hi, you know what I mean? Like it was just a normal thing. So for me, I feel like that was the pivotal moment where I was like, yeah, this this is it for sure. Yeah. Do you remember how old you were when that happened? Yeah, I was 22. 22. Mm -hmm. That's why I like when you see things now. 
I'm like, dang, that's crazy. I feel like a little OG, like, oh, dang, I did that. Like when people are saying things like, I'm, I can't wait to interview Holly Berry, Oprah. I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. Like that's, no, that's I'm, like, I'm like, I've done things that people, you know, can't wait to do, which is great. Yeah. I was once them too. And it, you know, making that transition from that to where I am now, it's just like, it's a little different too. It also helps. I feel like, like regionally, you were able to have those opportunities because baby, we in LA, anything can happen, anything could change like that, you know, at the drop of a hat. So you interviewing Oprah, interviewing Halle Berry, interviewing <laughs> DJ Khaled, interviewing Mary J. Blige, you did all the things like yeah. you got to hit that in your 20s, you know, so now you're digging for something a little bit deeper than just the celebrity aspect, you know, and being seen. That's so interesting that you say that because that's yeah. so true. And I, I didn't really look at it like that right now until you said it. And it's something that I struggled with because I was like, well, what if I come out of this world uh, heavy? You know, I'm like, are people going to like accept me or how will I transition? How will I make this pivot? Like, or even for myself internally, I'm like, this is all I ever known. Like, you know, was interviewing celebrities and red carpets. So I'm like, what the hell else am I supposed to do? Or what will happen to, you know, what people, my notoriety or, you know, what people know me as and all the other stuff. And I was like, I, it was literally hard for me to make, make that transition. And I was like, God, you like what? And he literally put a cap on it. Like your season is up with this. Like, you know, it might come around again in another capacity in another realm, maybe at a higher one. But he was like, as far as what you know, what you've been doing, like, you've done it. And I, I couldn't understand that. But then I looked back and thought about, like I said, the Oprah, Oprah Winfrey's, the Holly Berry's like, girl, you like, you maxed out. You know what I'm saying? You, uh, Obama will be the next person that will probably blow your mind. But I, <laughs> Oprah, I, I mean, I don't know. There's tons of people I haven't interviewed, but I've interviewed a lot of prominent people in my twenties. Yes. Yes, you have. So I, I really think it's a testament to you digging deeper and finding something. And I think you are on the right path to finding that thing that is way deeper than just celebrity, you know, like celebrities are, they are who they are, but that's not the end all be all. And like you said in the beginning, you're supposed to be touching somebody that's not even in this, you know, yeah. in that, in that circle. So, you know, and speaking of Mary J. Blige and DJ Khaled, I want to tap into the first time that we met, but I'm curious to know when was the first time in your mind that we met? Cause I feel like I don't want to have different stories and I'm really dear curious. Mama, right. Wasn't it dear mama? Yes, it was Dear Mama. Okay, so we got the same memory. I don't yes, know. yes. I remember, I, I, my long-term memory is really good. Short-term, what happened last week? I don't know. Amazing. But that day, I remember we were at the park. We started in the parking lot. Yes. And then we were walking and we were talking. Yes, girl, I remember. Yes, and that day, girl, I don't know if you remember, but that day was like the coldest day to be on a red carpet. I was, I was shivering in my interview with DJ Khaled. Like my I, nose <laughs> dripping, I was like, Handing the tissue, I'm kind of holding the camera, and I'm mic, like, your mic cord was like this long. So I'm like, <laughs> string is it, girl? It was bad, but we pushed through. Okay, it was a hot mess of a day, and I remember from that experience, um, we were walking out, and I think I was just like over the day. You know, me, I was super young. I think I was like 21, 22. I was fresh in the game. You know, had just started doing some interviews with Jasmine Brand, doing red carpets. And I think this was like the segment in your life where you came back 
to radio. I think you had left for a little bit uh-huh. and we were talking, we were walking the parking lot talking, I was complaining and you were just talking about how grateful you were to be able to have an opportunity to come back. And that stood out to me because as creatives, we get so thrown off by the optics mm-hmm. and not even realizing that a year before that, you didn't have this opportunity. Three months before that, you didn't have this opportunity. But God placed you here to do something, and it was for a reason. And whether you see that reason right now, you know, whether you see that reason the next day, like you're here for a reason. And sometimes it comes full circle years from now, right? So it made me think about being grateful about where I am and understanding that God is working. So I'm just curious to know what was it you were, what was it that made you leave and come back? Because I believe you're speaking about an accident you had or something around that time. So you had to take a break and come back to, you know, journalism and doing red carpets. Yeah. um, Aside from an accident, I was just in a very terrible relationship. Uh, Um, So the relationship, uh, it held me back to a certain extent mm -hmm. um, because I just didn't have a partner that was uh, that supportive of that. And I was young. So I felt like I had to really pacify, you know, his feelings about I guess my brightness and how big of a you know personality I was and what I wanted to do. So a part of me was just kind of like, well, I'm in this relationship. I felt like I had to dim it down a little bit, you know, because I don't, I had to use the term regular, but you know, you have a regular dude, you get what I'm saying? And mm. by regular, I mean like they can go to work every day to their regular job, make a living, come home. But I mean, I'm a dreamer, you know what I mean? Like I have big dreams. I want to work in entertainment. I want to do large, amazing things. Like, you know, I have passions, like all the, all the things or whatever. So I was in that for like four years. Right. And so back to the radio show, I stopped the radio show for one, the relationship and two, I'm young. I'm like, I want a regular job. I'm like, I don't got time for this grinding this Oh, the money, the money. Making this money. I was like, I was young. I'm like, I don't want to stay with my mom. I want to move out. I want to I want to be grown. Girl, I wish I could stay with my mama now. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna move out. So I moved out. A girl got a call center job, was making decent money for 2011, right? Got into a relationship, got in a car accident, nearly lost my life, literally. And um then we stayed in the relationship. So after the relationship ended, this is also how I know it was confirming and it was God because the relationship ended, right? And like immediately I hit the ground running, like started doing carpets. My first interview post-relationship was with Oprah. Yeah. I was at an event. I was at an event and I seen Jasmine in my air and I was like, hey, do you guys need help? Like correspondence. Like, and they were like, Yeah, send me your email. And then I always tell this story, even to Jasmine. I'm like, y'all just trusted me. I was, just, y'all didn't know back in the Like, you trust know? everybody because I was. Listen, all the only the only amount of experience that I had was doing the college radio show, and um, what else did I do? And doing accelerated radio. But and I think I, that's so dope of them to do that because it gave yeah. us so many opportunities. And I always tell Jasmine that, like. I'm like, whenever I see her, I'm like, I'm so grateful because you didn't have to do none of that stuff. Like, I would not have any of this stuff if she didn't give people that were up and coming like an opportunity to do anything. So my first interview was at the Greenleaf premiere. And that's when I met and I interviewed Oprah. And that's when it was so confirming to me. It's like, 
That's why I tell people when they're in terrible relationships and nothing, everything is stagnant in your world and you have this idea like, what is going on? Like, you know, like I'm applying at these jobs. I want to do better. But like, baby, God, not going to bless you till you get rid of that dead weight. Mm. But people be thinking it's them. Like, why am I not getting blessed? And why am I not? You could get blessed, but you got to remove that roadblock. And that roadblock is that relationship. And it's like, you know it, but you just trying to act like you don't know it. You know what I mean? But anyways, girl. So yes, <laughs> that yeah, was, that. Yeah, that that was that. my break. I, I was in a relationship and then I got out of the relationship and I came back like clockwork, hit the ground running and just have not stopped since then. Yeah. So what made you come back? I had this undying, like, like tug, like I could not stop thinking about where, what I started in the radio and interviewing. Like I could not shake it like I knew even when I was at the call center and I was in that relationship I'm like I know this is not where I'm supposed to be I'm like I just feel such a tug to go do what I'm supposed to be doing or what I'm called to do or what God is telling me to call me to do at that time so I was like I gotta go back and then I started like literally I have a homegirl she hit me up and she was like hey I'm doing this carpet for valentine's day she like remembered me from doing radio it was like do you want to come and i was like that confirmed it and then the next big thing was oprah so i couldn't shake the feeling of like i'm supposed to be doing something else yes and so you know i feel like that's a testament to creatives right and and being a creative and being a black creative what is what is something that you want them to understand about their journey because of everything that you went through you still manage to find yourself back in the mix doing the things that you love after, you know, a relationship that wasn't meant for you, a car accident, you know, you faced adversity along the way. And then you grew up also in between and, you know, society and your, your perspective on things change. What do you want creators to understand about this journey that they have to do the things that they love and to express themselves in public formats? I want creators to know like just to never quit like I'm all for taking breaks but the only way you will succeed is if you never quit and then you have to be able to know when to pivot you know you got to know when to pause and when to pivot and when to transition you have to know when something in some sort of medium is no longer serving you and be okay with that because a lot of times we stay connected to something because we think that we're supposed to be doing that or that's what we've been dying to do. You you get to this one place, you know, in your career and you're like, this is where I always wanted to get. And then God is like, well, this is it. It's no more. You know what I mean? And it's hard. And we deal with a lot of grief from who we used to be versus who we're trying to be versus wow. who we want to be. Like no I one wanna, talks about that grief. I want to talk about that. What is that grief that you are speaking of? that tug of war that you're having with your present self and your old self while on this journey. What yeah, is that? It's, it's grief. You don't want to let it go. And because essentially you connected to who that person was and you're connected to all the accolades you received when you were that person. You know what I mean? Like, let's just say if you're an artist and you were signed with Def Jam and you was at the height of your career and you was touring, you was this and that. And God is saying, now, you know, you're no longer the artist. We want you to be the producer. We want you to be the record label. We want you to just stop doing that. And now we want you to be, you know, an author or a writer. Like you, you're tugging, it's a tug and war. You're grieving who you used to be because God is calling you somewhere else, but you still connected to who you were. So until you let it go, you're always going to be in this fight. And that fight can keep you stagnant from where you need to be because little do a lot of us creatives don't, maybe even think about, but 
It's always going to be the thing that leads to the thing that leads to the thing that leads to the thing. It's never going to be that thing and that's it ever. You know what I mean? As we evolve, as people, as our as our life changes, as our perspective changes, as our creativity changes, it's always going to take us somewhere else. So we hold ourselves back when we grieve who we used to be. Do you do you feel that grief and pivoting are kind of like one in the same or on the same path? And I say that because, you know, once you get past who you used to be, you're able to now pivot in a new direction. And that's kind of that's kind of what you've done. You know, you went from being the celebrity red carpet host and now you are a content creator and owning your content and, you know, doing it for yourself, not for just a company. You know, you you've detached yourself from who you used to be, that celebrity red carpet host. <laughs> yes, just to pick up, you know, where where we were at, um, yeah. just drawing the connection between pivoting and grieving your old self. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like once you've grieved who you used to be, you will now be able to see your new path much clearer because you're not holding on to anything. You, it's just like, it's like a new fresh start pretty much. I want to know your perspective on that and what you think about pivoting altogether. Yeah. So the perspective is not clear. The only thing that's clear when you pivot and you're done grieving yourself is that you know that you're supposed to be somebody else. Um, And you have to be uh, okay with uncharted territory. You have to be okay with uncertainty because you have to pretty much immerse yourself into, it's like almost like a layer, right? Is getting peeled off. It's, It's like, it's like one layer of yourself is done and like a new, a new person is emerging. You know, it's like pretty much shedding old skin here, depending on your perspective. So for me, my perspective, even we talked about, you know, you was like, I was complaining and I was like, I'm so grateful. Just a little <laughs> Miss Sunshine. But uh, I think for me, like, I, I guess I can say like a superpower for me is like my perspective. So when in my faith, because when I have to pivot and transition, I put myself in a position where I was just kind of excited. So I'm like, okay, God, if you want me to shift something, then I know that you're preparing me for something like even better than what I left because God is not going to take you from from best to lower. You know, he's going to take you from better to better, you know, or best to better. So I really struggled with it for a long time, Um, like a year or so with grieving because God was like, okay, enough. He pretty much put the cap on it. But I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? Like, what's up? I I did what you said to do. So then he was like, basically, God told me to like, look within, you know, like you, it's time for you. And this messaging has always been to me before, even before when I was still doing the carpet stuff, like, you know, from just conversations, you know, prophecy, you know, at church. And it's always like, it's time for me to come from the background because even I was up front in front of people and doing on camera stuff. I still wasn't living out fully in my purpose. I still was kind of playing the background, playing the shadows, you know, still working up under, you know, other brands, whether it was, you know, on carpets or even at my jobs, you know, like I still was able to hide behind bigger names, but then God was just kind of like, well, this is your time now, you know, like the bigger names got you to where you are, but now it's time for you to emerge and you to become this person. So I'm like, okay, by doing what though? And then that's when God was like... (laughs) Literally, I was like that. I was like, okay, that's fine. Whatever, God. Like, cool, 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 cool. But like, what do you want to do? So then he was like, I want you to do something that you already naturally do. And that's when I got into comedy. Because I was like, comedy? Because I, I mean, I've 
funny, but like, you know, people have always told me I was funny, not like since I was a kid. But I was like, you want me to leave it? I'm doing to do some comedy. Like, okay, do what? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like comedy. And then he wanted me to just kind of like, like step into my own and like create this content. So I'm like, you're not really giving me a lot of clues here, but I'm just going <laughs> to take it. You're stringing me along in this process. Yeah, I was like, I'm yeah. just going to take it for for what it is. Like, I don't have a lot of clues. I'm just following whatever, being obedient to whatever you're saying, doing right now in this moment. But the reason I, I think now personally, as far as like creating content goes and me doing comedy, because I think that is all connected to purpose for me. And going back to what I said beginning, that's being of service. Because one thing I do know about myself is that through comedy, you can always make people feel better than make people feel better leaving than how they came to you. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's connected. If I have a moment of time where I can bring somebody joy and laughter, even if it's a moment, depending on the type of day that they had, that's of me being of service. You know what I mean? So I think it's all connected still of me still being this talent, comedy, creating content, you know, because my dream is still always going to be television. Like, I'm not stopping until I make it to television. I don't care if I'm like Tabitha Brown. I know that. I'm going to be like Tab. I'm going to be like Tab. Like, no, y'all, I was, I was 30 and I TV. So I was, I don't care. That's when people have these age things. I'd be like, I don't care. Like, if I'm a millionaire at 47, I'm a millionaire at 47. If my first TV break is at 45, it's just going to be at 45. Like, age doesn't bother me. What is, what is the thing that fuels that for you? You like this fearless, this fearlessness that you have to put yourself out there and to continue to do it. And you don't care how old you are. You don't care about age. You don't put this cap on yourself. Like in the next five years, if I don't make it, I'm going back to what is that that lives within you? Uh, I think the understanding that I'm not in control. So mm -hmm. I think because I'm not in control of the timeline, I've completely relinquished myself from putting a timeline that doesn't even exist. You know, I wrote things down, you know, I have a vision board, but there's no time on my vision board. I just have the things that I want to accomplish. And and the thing is, because if you put a timeline, it breeds disappointment if you don't make it by that time. And that's not necessarily necessarily say that you're not ever going to make it. Now you're disappointed because you didn't make it by 30 when God really said 33. So then now it stops you on your tracks because you're disappointed. Now you want to give up. When really you was like this close to the blessing or your big break, whatever you was looking for. So for me, I have no idea. I just know that I'm called to television. I know that I'm going to be on television. I don't know in what capacity. That's already been promised to me. But what's interesting of me being an entrepreneur now, because that was already spoken to my life too. And I didn't want to do that at all. I remember girl, I was like 20 <laughs> something. This man at, at church was like, he wasn't even a church. He was like a guest pastor. And then he was doing like, you know, this prophecy stuff, whatever, which I, which I believe in, if it's confirming, um, not everybody, but he basically was like, you're going to be, he was like, he was like, you need to pick up like black enterprise magazines. He was like, you're going to be like a, a, a you're going to be one of these magazines. You're going to be like this entrepreneur. And I was like, what? Because I was just like, I don't mind working for people. Cause I was lazy. Entrepreneurship mm -hmm. take work. And little a lot of work really want to admit and understand that, you know, working for yourself is like a 24 seven hustle. Cause it's like, not only do you have to worry about signing contracts if you're a freelancer for the next six months, you got to worry about the six months that comes after that. So how are you putting yourself in a position to make sure you can eat after these next six months when this contract is up? Like it's mm -hmm. a consistent 
it's a consistent like wheel that turns and people mm-hmm. don't understand that. It's like, you no. see, you see, Ooh, I earned my first hundred K and, you know, as an entrepreneur, but it's like, baby, you didn't tell nobody that you had to take four and five social media accounts for six months and was stressed out and burnt out because you, you met, you know, like that's a part of the journey. Like if that's what you're mm-hmm. thinking, is, it's a part of the journey. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but continue. I completely was about to run away with that concept because I think entrepreneurship is like, that's another piece that creatives, unfortunately, we don't get in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just want to create, but there's also mm-hmm. an aspect to all of this, you know? Well, for me, I wanted to, I always wanted to create a life on my own terms. Like even, I think God was already telling me to start a business because I will always quit jobs. I didn't care. I didn't care. No backup plan. I would quit because I was always just baffled by the way business was ran or how supervisors would talk to me or treat me and just how companies were ran. And I would be like, I always had this mindset of like, I'm not dealing with this. Like, this is crazy to me. And I always had this mindset that I was made for more. Like I was that person really at their desk. Like y'all crazy because I'm about to be a superstar anyway. But I, like, I literally always thought like, I always thought I was a bug. Like they're not an arrogant way, but I'm just like, Y'all are crazy talking to me like this because when y'all watch me on TV, I'm gonna feel dumb. Like, that's just how I always think and I would always quit. And I just like, when I was talking to my family, they was like, I'm surprised you didn't do this sooner because you ain't never stayed at a job. You always be like, nah, I'm out of here. And because I feel like no job is worth your mental health. That's why I tell people, don't call me complaining about your job because I'm going to tell you to quit. So call somebody else. <laughs> I know that's right. I Find have my job. Financial freedom, but freedom is on the other side of that complaint. On the other side, people be like, <laughs> be like, how am I gonna make money? I'm like, I don't know, but you hate your job, don't you? Yeah, I hate it. Okay, then quit. No, because I'm gonna need to stay. I don't know. The only thing you could do is quit or stay. So you call me, I'm gonna tell you to quit every time. I took a leap of faith last year, quit my job. God was boop, boop, pulling on me like, quit, quit, <laughs> quit. <laughs> And I'm like, nah. And then I, I just did it. I just took a leap of faith. I quit. I was like, I'm probably never going to have a job again. And then I got scared and I tried to get a job again, which I talked about in my post. I got scared shit, girl. Every job I replied to, I got rejected. And I am a job getting girl. Okay. I've had a job as long as I could write. Mm-hmm. And these jobs were in the same field of the business that I'm starting. I was like totally qualified for all these jobs. I'm a good interviewer. Like I just was not getting them. And God, that's when God made it crystal clear. Like, what did I tell you? You're not about to get a job. Like, (laughs) you are the job. You are the job. job. Like, all right, God. I was like, maybe I didn't hear you right. Like maybe I wasn't supposed to quit. And then God just like, no, no, stop applying for jobs. I was like, because I got to the place and I was like, okay, do I keep applying? Because he just want me to like, you know, go harder. or do he you know is he like enough and after I did these last two like apply for these last two jobs and I didn't get them I was like I'm done I was like I get it God all right cool 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 bet I'm done applying now I might get I might get opportunities but I don't think he necessarily wants me to have like jobs you know at least if I get a job it's going to be like contracting under my own standards as opposed to like you know the whole clock is I don't do this I clock out correct don't expect <laughs> over time. Yeah, just me that. going out yeah. to churn out content for people. If that, if I had my way, I would just get up every day and go create content for people. Mm. Honestly, that's why I, my business is content services. I'm not a social media manager. I don't manage accounts. Yeah, that's way different. 
it's That's different. And I make yeah. that clear because you're going to want the return on your investment, but I'm not here to grow your followers. I'm here to provide content services to you. So it's a little different. Yes. And now since we are mentioning your content and creating content, um, you are the queen of viral virality. <laughs> virality. I hope yeah, you are. Right. You are the queen, you know? Um, <laughs> and for someone that knows you, I feel like it's so effortless. And mm -hmm. I applaud you for that because thank you. Working in social media, we you know, I see it every day. Like I see how people try really hard to go viral, and yours is just very much organic. You keep mm -hmm. it up, you're like on your couch and you got your phone up, you know, mm -hmm. you do your thing, or you put a little background behind you and you're talking to your little mini mic, you know, mm -hmm. like do your things from an authentic point of view and an authentic stance, and it's very much natural. And I commend you for that. But I'm so, I'm so interested to know when the hell did you start going viral? Because I followed you on Twitter. I feel like it was 2020 when your it was. really started taking off. Yeah, I, I told the story all the time. I was on Tamron and I told her the same story. I'm going to tell you now. It's so funny, Whoopi, that I'm telling this story again. Um, no, it was my first viral, my first viral we was March, uh, April or March, no, March 28, 2020. Never had been wow. before. The peak of COVID, baby. That the was peak of COVID. I had never been before in my life in no capacity. I remember I was working out. This was my natural thought. Literally, that's when I tweeted the thing about COVID. I was like, you know, what the hell did I say? I, I've tweeted so much since then. I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to let y'all hit the first batch of air, hit y'all so I can know it's, if it's safe. I, okay. I think I said something. It's coming. I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. I think I actually think I have it here. Um, it's like, just for I need to know. I need to know if I'm safe. So like the first wave of whoever, it was like something like yeah, that. Yeah. It was. So I said when they off. finally, I said when they finally open outside again, I'm going to stay home for a little bit. Let the first batch of air hit y'all first and see what happens just to make sure the coast is clear. I literally, 7, 16 a.m. I was literally <laughs> working out and I just remember, like, it start. I started getting all these alerts and alerts, and I was like, "What is happening?" Because I've never been viral before. I was like, "Everybody's responding, everybody's responding, everybody's responding," and I didn't know what to do, so I, I quickly muted the tweet because I couldn't respond to everybody. And you know, after that, it just it just took off. So four hundred thousand likes, eighty thousand retweets. Um, it got it was mentioned on the reel. Um, yes. Ari, Ari Lennox had 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 talked about it on her live. She was on live then. It was on Shade Room. Um, it was on Baller. Like, like it just like it just like took off. And ever since then, I had just not stopped going viral. Girl, and to see it happen in real time, it's so like it's so refreshing. Because mm -hmm. it's like you see, you know, us being on social, we see all the time people going viral. But it's like, what the fuck did you do? Like to even, I, you know, and it's like to see you do it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, like this is, it's just really dope to see in real time. Yeah. yeah. You know, you working through that and now you like go viral every week. You got a viral. Every, every, every week. It's every like, week. it's, <laughs> I literally have a, like a tweet going right by because I just, I just don't even like once my tweet hits past, like. 500 likes or something i'll start meeting it because it's, it's just gonna cause <laughs> too much of, like, i know it sounds crazy but 
Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think like that five hundred thousand likes. I just you know I just yeah I just tweeted you know I, I muted it, but I think <laughs> you know I think it works because like you said it's genuine organic and it's just a witty witty banter witty banter like that's just yeah. me though because I would have said that to you on the phone you know like had I not tweeted out I was like oh girl no when they finally opened outside I wouldn't really said that and that's how a lot of my tweets come to me I just be chilling and like I have this thought. And I don't necessarily even fully think it's funny. It's just like what I really would say or what I'm really thinking at the moment. And people seem to fuck with it. Yes. So what have been the opportunities that have come your way because of, you know, like you going viral so much? I can only imagine there's there's people that are like, what is shows tweet today? Let me go to her Twitter and let me get a good laugh because it's really just, it's really funny as hell. Yeah. Like, you, you brighten somebody's day or you're given a word, you know, it's something that you had on your heart and you just want to tweet it out. So what are the opportunities that have come your way since, you know, being fearless and putting yourself out there on the Twitter space? Oh, um, t- the first one was TMZ. Like they reached out to me. They, they found me on Twitter and was like, we want you to do TMZ live. I was like, how did you guys find me? And they were like Twitter. And then <laughs> I got <laughs> I've gotten, like, I've seen people out that, like, work for different companies, and they're like, oh, we want you to, you know, come do some on-camera stuff, and I'm like, how did you find me? They're like, Twitter. So, what's interesting, though, about Twitter, I would say the downside is that had these tweets been converted into video format, I would probably got way more opportunities, because tweets are easily stolen. I complain about it all the time. Mm. Um Justin LA boy pages, meme pages, like there are meme pages right now that have more followers than the both of us. And it's just stolen content. Like I want people to get out the space of thinking a tweet is a meme. A tweet is not a meme. A tweet is a tweet. And all you did was copy it and crop it. And now it's a, a meme, but it's actually, that was somebody's intellectual property. Like I get so like serious about Twitter because it's like <laughs> y'all just mooching off of other people's real thoughts. So I can't say, I can't, I can say opportunities have came, but I feel like a lot more could have came had it been video content. Mm. So, you know, with you, with you going viral in the comedy piece that, you know, I feel like connects was, was it the other way around? Was it comedy first and then you just putting out content or was it, you know, you putting out content, realizing, damn, I'm actually funny as hell. And people like want to hear, you know, what I have to say. And then you pursuing that career. You know, it was just me. So my form of comedy, I feel like is stand up. That's what I do because that's the truest to who I am. I right now, Taylor, I cannot pick up my phone and be funny on video. It's something that I wish I could do. Like I see the TikTokers. I'm like, I I just, it just doesn't, the messaging doesn't come across as funny to me when I do it for some reason. Like, but that's why I said I love stand up because I'm just going up there talking, which I normally am funny in that vein. You know what I mean? Mm. Or if somebody needed me to write something funny, I could, but like being funny on camera, like I wish I could be a TikTok comedian. I just, I don't know. I'm, I said I was going to continue to try, but like I made some attempts, but I didn't really feel as comfy, you know? So I keep my comedy and wittiness to Twitter, to writing. That's a skill. That's a skill that a lot of comedians have to work on is the stage presence. You know, yeah. because everything you got to you got to think about it. We come from Vine. We come True. from, you know, what are the other platforms? IG. There was an IG comedian, mm-hmm. you know, like we come from all these people who were funny that way first, who were creating. Mm-hmm. 
you have a very much old school approach to comedy. You like being on stage. You like having a set. You like saying your jokes and then piggybacking off an earlier joke you said in your comedy, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you know um, skit. So it's like, that's a skill that people wish they had. I've I, I realized that, you know, at first I used to be like, people would tell me that I'd be like, eh, okay, 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 you know, but now, like I said, understanding of who you are and embracing that and being okay with that. So when people tell me like, I'm all these things, like I just, I say, yeah, like I've gotten to the place now at 35 where I'm just like, I really am as cool as I think I am. You know, I'm not in the position to dim anymore. You know, I'm like, I'm just really not. And I think when it comes down to content and putting out content, I'm just like, I'm not scared, you know, like I'm not scared of perception anymore. I'm not scared of what people would think. I'm not scared of low views. I'm just like not fucking scared because at the end of the day, I feel like I spent a lot of my life being scared. Like, you know, and it's like, you have to get to a place in life where you're just absolutely tired of your own shit. You're tired of being broke. You're tired of not working. You're tired of not putting out content. You're tired of sleeping on yourself. You're, you're For me, it's a bigger purpose than just content. Like I said, like there's intentionality behind my content. So I know that somebody is supposed to see it. And for me, it's important to really walk in my purpose. So I make content that I feel, and always anybody should make content from a POV of like, who needs to hear this one? Or like, would I want to watch this? Like a lot of times people's content is not working because they're not adding value. And I realize that. So when you're just like shooting the shit and it's like just throwing it and see where it sticks, that's not going to really work for you. It needs to be intentionality behind it. So you have to ask yourself, you know, what kind of content do I want to put out and how can I be of value? If it's funny, you're adding value by brightening somebody's day or maybe it's informative or maybe it's, you know, something very interesting or maybe it's your art, but like you can't just throw things out the wall, throw things out the wall anymore. It's not going to work. Yes. And so, you know, with you with you having the journey that you've had um, thus far up until this point, have there been any hurdles that and obstacles that have been in your way that you have been trying to, you know, like that you've had to navigate through? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, myself. Mm. I think that's probably been the only obstacle. Um, myself and I feel like the obstacle of realizing that you know, the path that I'm taking is probably going to take a little longer because it's coming with a lot of intentionality and genuineness. Like, I really cannot stand clout. I think it's so gross. Like, I think I just, when I see, like, things that are around, like, clout and things that people say and do, like, it just give me the ick. Like, that's just, like, so gross. But those are the people that get ahead, you know? And we know, like, the game is the game. Sometimes you got to play the game. And sometimes I don't want to play it, you know? And I realize that, However, I get to my place, you know, it's going to be it's going to be because I was genuine, you know, and I did things that really felt good to me, not from a place of I got to get on. I'm doing this because I got to get on. I got to get on. And it's like at the end of the day, whether I get on or I don't, I know that I served my purpose here and did the things I got wanted me to do. So I think the only obstacle was and has been myself just feeling like, oh, you know, like. I'm going to put this out and like, you know, but, but this is that and comparing and all that other stuff. Like that's a huge obstacle that I want everybody, including myself and creative to just come out of, because it's like, your journey is just your journey. You know what I mean? And it's like, we got to move out our own way. We hold ourselves back. So our thoughts 
our behaviors hold us back so much. Like I can't even, uh, people probably can blame others for why they're not successful, but essentially it's really yourself. Hmm. Unless somebody literally stopped you, like literally stopped you. But see, even if somebody was literally stopped me, I would find a way to pivot. I pivoted out of radio because I knew that there was not going to be opportunity for me to be on air. It was made very clear to me and I did. So that's not what God wants me to do right now. So I go to another thing. So I don't know. Yeah, no, but that's relatable. I think a lot of times, um, no matter what industry we're trying to pursue a career in or whatever, it has a lot to do with ourselves and ourself. We we are the ones that guide our destiny, right? Like God mm-hmm. is God is guiding us, but we are the ones that are actually doing the work. And a lot of mm-hmm. times, as people who are you know who think he, who use their brain and like overthink, mm-hmm. we stop ourselves from doing you know, the things that we see everybody else doing, like, why can't I get there? Well, that's because you're not letting yourself be there. That's and you're not being consistent. And consistency. Consistency was probably my biggest vice, for sure. I, I, I've i lived a a very fruitful, I had a very fruitful career, but there's a lot of gaps. There's a lot of gaps in my resume. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of gaps because I was being inconsistent and I had, imposter syndrome so bad. I don't know if you remember if you paid attention, but I've deleted my Instagram account like three times. This is probably the longest I've ever had my account. Really? I feel like you, I was thought you were doing it, you know, as a cleanse. I never thought it was like an imposter syndrome thing. I would get to this height of like people started like, you know, catching on to me and I was like, things are going great. And it's like something small could throw me off and I'll just be like, Oh no, like I'm just, I delete the count. For some reason, it's, it was so weird, but I feel like I pinpointed now back to imposter syndrome. Ooh, and the imposter, that's a whole nother like conversation in itself. The Mm -hmm. imposter, especially when you're young. Oh my gosh. Because Mm -hmm. we're impressionable. Everything, everything doesn't go the way we want it to. Or if it's not looking how we want it to, if it don't feel how we want, or we walk into the room like, ooh. Why? Like, how did I even get here? Like, no. Or somebody compliments you in your mind. You're like, you shrink. Like, no, because you know what's going on in your real life. But they don't know. They're just praising what they see online. So everybody's like, you out here doing it. And then we, what are we doing? Pastor's drum. No, I'm, I'm okay. Like, no, you Actually, are doing it. Because- I have to do 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 Thank you. Mm-hmm. Instead of that's just why saying- <laughs> I stopped it. I stopped it. And that's why every day I just tell myself you are who you who you say you are. Mm. because yeah. imposter syndrome will have you thinking you're not who you say you are it's like people think you're this but you ain't really that yes you are girl so on yeah. that note I want to end um, our interview with two questions yeah um, what's this chapter of your life called and I pulled this one from Twitter that one has been that one has been going and it had me thinking um, I had me thinking about that. So what's this chapter of your life called? Oh, um, consistency for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Consistency uh, pays, will pay. Mm-hmm. Off. Absolutely. Yes. And this is for you to finish being black and being creative means. That there is always room to inspire the world. And on that note, (laughs) thank you so much, Shells. I so appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. 
And I want to see another episode after this. And I want to see episode after this. And I want to see episode after this. And I want to see the graphics. And you as, your content, as your content cousin, I want to be texting your phone, asking you if I do not see more episodes. I swear to God, Taylor, you know I am. And I love you for it. I really love you. <laughs> and I appreciate you. Ride me, girl, because I will become so intrusive. Like, mm, I don't really like that. Taylor, this is great. And if this is the only piece of content, let's say you don't put out anything else. If you just have this one piece of content, this is amazing because it keeps you, it's like a job. It keeps you looking forward to something new for the week and it keeps you consistent because it's just a conversation and somebody is going to need something from this conversation. So if you stop, remember you holding somebody else back. Well, that was episode one. And if you made it all the way to the end, from the depths of my soul, I want to say thank you so much. Um, for supporting me and for going along this journey with me through this conversation. I had such a wonderful time chatting with Shells and she spoke so much life into me before the recording and after the recording. And I cannot wait to give you guys the rest of No Holding Back, the podcast. So until next time, take care of yourselves and love on yourselves and have a beautiful day or night.